This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, we are at the newly revamped local studio. Look at that warm wood in the background. We heard your calls. Warm it up, guys. And we did. Here we go. The brand new local studio. The brand new, brand new local studio. <laughs> I'm still old-fashioned Dave Rubin, and I am joined today by my friend, philosopher, author. Can I still call you? You're a teacher of some sort. Teacher, friend, and friend of the show. And friend of the show. That's what you said when you sat down, more right. importantly than anything else. Right. Friend of well, the Well, no, Rubin it's Report. actually not more importantly. Our friendship is the most important thing. And yes. It's nice to be a friend of the show. Well, it is good to see you, my friend. Uh, Pete Pagosian, obviously. Uh, you have not been on the show since February. We just checked this. February of 2019. So quite literally four years ago right. this month. Right. It's been a while. A lot to catch up on. A but what set that we, we booked this thing a couple weeks ago. Right. And then last night was the State of the Union address. Right. So let's start. Let's start. So let's with just our... start with that because something interesting happened. And I referenced right. it on my show this morning, on my wrap-up show, that what I see happening in America that I think is one of the most disturbing trends is that we're all watching the same script. Yeah, we're all yeah, watching yeah. the same movie. Yeah. And we are experiencing wildly different completely things. We are agree, seeing yeah. completely different things. Our reactions are completely different. Anyway, I'm watching that thing thinking this guy's a liar, a fraud, he's obviously drugged, <laughs> these people are bringing in all of the wrong policies, right. it's a miracle he hasn't fallen off the stage and knocked right. the podium over, I mean, all of, all of the stuff. And then I'm looking at your Twitter, and you're seemingly impressed by what's going on, you <laughs> seem right. to like him, you seem to think that it's put to bed some of the questions about his mental acumen, et cetera, et cetera. His dementia. And his then I thought, man, right. I cannot wait to sit with Pete tomorrow because we're friends. And right. it does not matter 100%. if we disagree on this stuff, but, but how we could view this so differently. Right. Now and, and, and so the, the other context of that is you're texting me like, are you drunk tweeting? Yeah, are well, I thought you must right? be drunk or you were hacked right, into because you're right. going, Biden seems sharp. This all right. makes sense. Right. So, I, so the, I guess the, the more profound point is that we can disagree about yes. our perception. We're going to talk about what we perceive, but we're still buddies. I'm still sitting here. We're going to hang out like yeah. that. There's a context for our disagreement. So this is, so this is what I thought. Independent of the content. The narrative that Biden is senile or he has dementia, I think that speech, to me, it completely put that to rest. He was sharp. He was focused. And I understand he has a teleprompter. I understand he has notes in front of him. I, a senile person or a person with dementia, I don't care if he's on monafidil, what whatever drug he is on, I don't think he could have delivered that performance. Now, I'm talking independent of content. Okay, so let's put content aside. Yeah, and we can let's talk put, about that content. Sure, so we'll do the content and the policy thing after. But putting that aside, so you're just talking about his physical and mental ability to walk up on that stage and read that prompter. You think he, that, look, I can't diagnose him yeah, and say new, for new sure he yeah. has dementia or, right. or Alzheimer's or something. But he, to me, he clearly, clearly has something wrong with him. And that the fact that they can prop him up either through Adderall or a, a ton of coffee or God knows what they have, whatever those drugs are. I don't know, okay. how, how do you view that and go, well, because he had a decently cogent two hours, that overrides all of the other video of the stammering okay. and confusion okay. and two shaking things. hands with ghosts and okay. things of that it nature. It made me question, okay, two things. Let's yeah. take one step back. The thing that changed my mind about Donald Trump yeah. was one, in, his, in Trump's second debate with Biden, he clearly destroyed him. In fact, sometimes I think Megyn Kelly and I are the same person. She tweeted something like, uh, it's all been an act. Because mm -hmm. up at that point, I almost never he heard him ar make a coherent argument or sentence or statement. Wait, when you're saying he destroyed him, you mean Biden destroyed no, Trump? No, Trump, Trump in the second debate. Second, oh, because the there were only debate. two because they Correct. canceled one. The, right, right, right. the first one was, the first one was a, not that a, good a catastrophe. Yes, it was a catastrophe. Yes. But then I thought, like, you can't go from nothing to that. Like, you can't go from a, a, a rambling, incoherent 
ignoramus to that. I mean, he was on that. Yeah. I think any objective independent inquirer would have looked at that debate and said Trump. So I think with Biden, so so this gets back to the question, how can two people look at it? I think yeah. any independent person would look at that and say, he, he was on point. It was a good talk. He was clear. He does not have senility. He, he does not suffer from senility. He's not de- dementia. Yeah. It, it, his points were well articulated. He wasn't slurring. And I realize that's a low I mean, bar. He, he, he did wasn't slur drooling. Some. He did slur Okay, some so and... some of the words weren't articulated or enunciated perfectly. But I, I, I walked away from that, and I questioned a lot of the narratives. I also think that there is a kind of unfairness, no matter who's in office. You know, you when Biden... Uh, pinned the, the, I don't know, I gave blood or something on his granddaughter. Mm-hmm. People edited it to make it look like he was touching her breast. Mm-hmm. Or I think that there's a lot of just um, hacks who, if they don't like the content, and we can talk about the content, sure, that's sure. fine. Uh, we will but I'm just talking content. about him standing up there and delivering yeah. that performance. I don't understand how you could not look at that and say, drugs aside, say, that was a, that was a, he was on point. That was a good talk. He was clear. He made arguments. He remembered to the extent that he's on a teleprompter. He was looking around. He engaged people in real banter. Uh, I thought it was a great talk. Okay. So I'm going to... Content gonna aside. through this. Content, yeah, yeah, content aside. aside. Right. So first off, I would say that, A, we don't know what the drug situation is. So I would imagine, and I don't know enough about cognitive, the drugs that they prescribe for cognitive decline or whatever, but it seems to me that you could basically take almost anyone probably unless they were at the real end of stage with this stuff and make them cogent for okay, two hours. So, that's so, the, so that, that, I don't see how that puts it to bed. It might, if anything, it seems to me you're saying there, there probably are drugs out there that can make you okay, somewhat so, functional. So that would again, be the right? question to find somebody. <laughs> right. Again, this is coming from a guy who was brought up in ethical violations <laughs> for hoax papers. Right. Uh, you know, you find, and by the way, you I find, would prefer that you're <laughs> right in a way. He is still the pilot of the plane. Right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, whether yeah, I yeah. agree with the stuff or not, yeah. the guy is in charge of an awful but, lot. But hoping that, that I'm right doesn't make it right. Like right. You, you would have to find people who suffered from similar perceived cognitive ailments and give them whatever suite of drugs and see if they could perform. I, I, I would highly doubt it. Unless you want to say he's somehow like a trick pony, he somehow, and even this is territory I'm not particularly comfortable wading into, he's somehow performatively giving a talk. He has no idea what he's talking about. But even then, it was pretty impressive. I just thought it put to bed to rest the idea that here's a senile, demented guy now, now, if you've watched videos of Joe Biden from 20 years ago, I mean, he's clearly a different man. I mean, yeah. it's just, I'll give it to you, 100%. But that talk, I thought he shined. You know, it's interesting because I, I also spent, I had two grandmothers that both had a certain amount of dementia. Yeah. My, my grandmother on my mom's side had it for longer, and I, and I, and I really saw, and I spent a lot of time with her. Because yeah, I was doing stand-up at night, so during the days I was with her often for days on end, hours yeah. and hours, and I really saw that decline. One of the things that I noticed that Biden seems to have, and I've seen a lot of people mention this also, is a, there's a dysregulation related to his emotional response. Yeah, I can so see So at times he seems very slow and quiet, then he does that whispering thing, and then out of nowhere he starts yelling. Oh, when you don't know why. about China, yeah. And that China thing where he's yelling, it's like there was no anger to be expressing there, but he... He has to emote in a very weird yeah. way because something back there is not right. Again, I'm not a doctor. It could be a performative thing too, though, right? I mean, it could be like this but, is how but you But performative give a good almost speech. as if it's broken down and it's not performing correctly, right? Like, well, it wouldn't be as if he wouldn't doing doing it correctly if he broke down and had random outbursts. But if he has outbursts about the same thing, but again, I don't even think that was an outburst. I think he was trying to drill home something, maybe even to appease the Republicans. I don't know. Right. The funny thing is neither one of us know what he was trying to drive home (laughs) related to the content part of it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Okay, so putting that aside, because I, I don't want to spend three hours talking about his cognitive state, but I think the fact that we even don't really see that eye to eye is interesting, that, that you just feel it was enough evidence, as right. you said, to put it to bed, where to me it was like, that's not enough evidence to put to bed. It's enough evidence to go, 
oh, I'm probably right about this thing, and we will probably find out that I'm right. Right. Like, and that, the, you know what I mean? Like, think right. about it. If he makes it through the term, at some point when he's no longer president, or, or if he's had to step down or something, it's all going to come out. He's obviously on something. Right. So, so my main takeaway from yeah. that was different than yours, yeah. I think. My main takeaway is that we are so divided, and I've lost very close friends of mine who have been in my house, you know, buddies of mine over political disputes. and disputes. We've lost co-friends. Co-friends. Yeah. Co-friends. So, so the fact that you and I can disagree on this and be completely cool, <laughs> like that's the model. Right. Like that's what everybody should be striving to end. Like, who, look, dude, if you, if you said, listen, my kids are sick. I know you're in Florida for a few days. David can't do it. Can you help me out? Dude, I'd, in yeah. one second, I'd be there. Yeah, so I like, know you would. And does it matter to me if you think Biden is a driveling fool? No, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me at it's all. It's actually more interesting in a way because we're all going into our own echo chambers whether right. we like it or not. It's becoming increasingly hard to do it. So because I know you as a person and as a decent human being and all that, to... to to watch last night and I'm watching you tweet and I'm like, right. this is wild. <laughs> but it really made me want to right. sit down. So let, all right, so let's okay. talk a little bit about the, the content right. of some of this stuff. I don't think of you as a purely political beast, but you sort of became a political beast because of what was going on at Portland State right. and your stance on free speech. So maybe for people that haven't seen our previous interviews or don't know too much of your bio, you want to maybe hit like a minute or two of that just so that it has a little context, uh, a little context to how you started talking about politics, yeah, I guess. So I experienced a woke takeover, or let's put it this way, I experienced an authoritarian takeover fueled by an ideology, not only for which there was absolutely no evidence, but for which the evidence was against. Every time I started asking, not even questioning, but asking for evidence, the hammers came down, the investigation started. So you were an assistant professor of... Philosophy. Philosophy. We did an event very early on in right, my career. With Christina you, you, Hoff-Summers. You brought Christina Hoff-Summers and I to Portland State. And to remember an the SWAT teams, the security guards, they were everywhere. We had to go in the room and they were like shielding us. It, yeah. That was the first time, subsequently it's happened all the time now, but that was the first time I had ever done an event where security was needed, where there were protesters outside, people right. screaming, there were threats of violence, cops everywhere. I, re I remember we had to go to a separate green room where the cops then had to escort right. us to the stage. All and they had this these craziness. huge shields that were like in case someone shot us. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But the point is, you you were an assistant professor of philosophy, right? A lefty, a liberal, right? Liberal. I was never a lefty. Oh, okay, so you you were liberal in in the classical sense right. of liberalism, but that was not good enough for a place it like was Portland not good State. Enough. It, it was not good enough. It not only was not extreme enough. But it wasn't good enough because to question the orthodoxy means you're not just wrong, you're bad. Yeah. So enough, enough about about that. Did the hoax papers, et cetera. Yeah. Then you'd write, you wrote these hoax papers right. with uh, James Lindsay that right. really caught fire. And basically the whole idea was to show how the peer-reviewed process is, is in essence, ideologically corrupt, right? Yeah. We wrote the conceptual penis, which yeah. we joked about before, uh, and everyone went crazy about it. It was a hoax paper. They said, you know, this is... You guys didn't prove what you thought you did. To prove it, you need to do A, B, C, D, E. We did A, B, C, D, E. Did anybody say, oh my gosh, you've done A, B, C, D, E. I guess we were wrong. No, instead they say Bogosian's unethical for fooling all those journal editors to yeah. take deranged papers. Because your point in doing it was to show how nonsensical so much of these studies are. Studies that then an they cover on corruption. CNN and then a politician refers and it, to the study. Right, and, and it informs public policy. It's yeah. ideological corruption. These are the musings of ideologues. They discharge their moral impulses in journals. We've got to clean this up. Like, there's just no question. But instead of saying, like, oh, geez, you know, maybe certain disciplines, we have problems, we need to be more rigorous. No, it's attack the people saying that there's a problem. Okay, so to relate that to the political part of Please. this State of the Union and, and some of the stuff that we didn't see eye to eye on, which I think is it's rich that, yeah. that we're doing this. So my basic position is that virtually everything he said was either a lie or, or an intentional obfuscation of the truth, something like saying gas prices are going down. That is technically true, but they're significantly higher than when he took office. Or inflation is going down. Technically true, okay. significantly higher than when he took office. We can get into some COVID stuff and a bunch else. But what would okay. you say about that general? Okay. And by the way, I'm not just blaming this on Democrats no, or no, him. No, no. They all okay. do it. So let's say that you're right. Okay. Let's say that 100% of everything you just articulated to me is correct. Yeah. Wouldn't the best way to convey that to be have uh, Sarah Huckabee gave the, wouldn't it be to just go through those points and say, 
Biden said this, here's the actual data, it's not true. It doesn't yeah. have to be complicated, you know, Ross That's precisely, style, by the charts. way, what we did on my show today. That, right. that is okay. what we so, did on my daily show. But yeah. that's what people do when they yeah. participate in a similar framework of rationality and reality. Yeah. I didn't see that at all in her. I know, did you watch I, I did, I did. Okay, so she's talking about Trump and narratives and the story. No, no, no. You take, if you believe that Biden said, not you, but if one believes, the Republicans in particular believe it, then in the the retort to, to that speech, you just go by, you go by, that was like a canned, prepared Right, so talk. you wanted something written on the fly, basically, which I agree, I, I, I agree probably says, would have been. Th- this is what, he said this, this is just not true, and the American people need to know why it's not true. Right. Like, the American, he said he's gonna trim the, def, the debt by by $2 trillion. The whole thing about the police was completely insane. It's, yeah. So, so I would much rather have preferred, forget what I would have preferred, if you wanna, talk about things that are true and participate in reality, then that follow-up talk, that, I can't remember what they, the rebuttal or what have you, yeah, that should have been data-driven and talked about where Biden was wrong, and it did not. Okay, so. And it was a terrible missed opportunity. So I will say, and I said it on my show this morning, I thought her, the speech itself, I thought was quite good because I think she was dealing with the grand narratives. I liked her line. I agree. I liked her line on, you're basically either for reality or for craziness, something something to that effect. But yes, she didn't go in, it, they clearly didn't write it on the fly, because then they could have done what I did on the show this morning and right. shown or, that. Or Vivek Ramaswamy could have given a great uh, talk, woke capital, I mean, he could have done that. Right, okay, yeah, so for putting, sure. let's say her, let's say it was flawed, or well, let's just put that aside for okay. a second, the rebuttal, because very few people actually watch the rebuttal. In a case like this, someone like you who cares about truth, when you hear him say these things, if you're willing to grant me the the leash that what I'm telling you right now is true, that okay. gas prices, for example, I'll gi- I'll, when he came in, we're I'll about 2.30, they the went leash. up to five, now they're around 3.30. So they are higher than when yeah. he took office. And then he says they're coming down. It's a complete trick. It's a, just a verbal trick. Now, I have no doubt Trump did it. I have no doubt Obama did it and everything else. But I think something's happening now where the lies because of COVID are so everywhere in society, and they have been so uh, debunked in real time that that people can't take it anymore. Something feels different about the lies. We can be lied to to a certain degree, and I think we're we're crossing a threshold with the lies that is gonna do something very dangerous, something like that. So, So what are you asking then? So what I'm asking you is, when you, when you if you can grant me that what I just told you I is true about gas prices and inflation, that it is true, inflation was here when he got into office, then it went yeah. here, now it is eight, down a little. Eight, so his eight, argument- eight percent. Right. right, his argument is that it's down, but it's like, no, it's not down from when you took over, it's down from the peak of it o- over the summer. Yeah, and the implication of that is it's causal. Like, it, he caused it. Like, right. there's some, some policy position or the Fed or something. Right? Which is also dangerous that they think as political beings and as presidents that everything that happens is because of them, which is also nonsensical. Right. But what I'm asking you specifically is, in terms of the manipulation of truth that they're all constantly doing, what do you think we do with that? Boy, that's a fantastic question. You know, I think that's one way to bridge the liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat divide, is just stop denying reality. I mean, one of the things that jumped out at me in that talk and I don't know if, you, I think you've had Heather McDonald on yeah, Oh, show. many times. Yeah, 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 she's yeah, gonna yeah. come on in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, okay, so she's great at this. Matt Thornton has a great book, The Gift of Violence, about this. When he was talking about the police and the role of the police with young black men, yeah. I mean, th- that was just so contrary to what the data is. Since George Floyd, homicide rates among, among black men have gone up 50%. In my own city of Portland, Oregon, they've gone up uh, well over 200%, and that's another story. I'm happy to get into it, but that's another story together. Yeah. Um, death from by young black men, the number one cause of death is other young black men, yes. and that's the only true for those quote-unquote racial groups. And so I think denial of reality and not stating, we, we need to be blunt about facts and evidence and not couch them in political terms. Now, when he talked about you know, whatever his value systems are and how you can solve the problem, that's another thing. But to blame the police for this or to say that the police are causally, then, you know, I can't remember exactly how he framed it. And that's just, not only is that that's false, that's just complete denial of reality. Well, not only is it a denial of reality, but I think he does it as a bit of cover because he ha- can't lose his radical base. Okay, so that's the that's thing. That's a political okay, thing. Okay, so that's now. the yeah. thing. You need to signal to your base 
And so I think that there is, so I lost, just, just as a side, I lost a thousand followers from my tweets last, last night, night, which I thought was kind of funny. I, I hope kept, I got you, I hope I, I got one or two I, I for you when laugh, I was kind of making yeah, fun of you. Yeah, no, I just kept yeah. laughing about it because, you know, one, it's good to not be ideal, captured by your own audience, sure, sure. You know, audience capture. But the other thing is, I, I think if you're not willing to cross the line and say, look, if somebody does something, not everything Ron DeSantis, if you're a lefty, does is bad or not mm-hmm. everything, but so many people, they're just not willing to cross the aisle and say, look, this is true or this is false. Um, and, you know, Harris was up there, you know, clapping, you know, robotically clapping at these idiotic things that are clearly divorced from reality. I don't know in a two-party system what the solution to that is, given the penalty for crossing the aisle. Andrew Yang and others have suggested, well, that there is no solution. You have a third party, et cetera. I don't, I don't know... I don't know what the solution is, but I do know that the environment is so toxic right now for even saying you agree, or not only even that, platforming, going on someone's show. I just talked mm-hmm. to uh, Brian Keating this morning. Yeah. Uh, you know, even going on someone's show when he did the PragerU videos and the grief people have gotten uh, uh, from that, that the left then won't have you on because right. it's t- Constantine Kissin is another example. I'm another example. I You're used, to, I used to be able to go on oh, all you, sorts of I, things. I owe you an apology, by the way. Uh oh, why is that? I owe you an apology. Maybe well, we should what, say this off the air. No, 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 do it on air. You know, you, you, you used to tell me that, you know, this whole shadow banning from Twitter and stuff. And I'm like, oh, dude, please come on. Like, but it turns out it was, you were completely right. Like, it was, you, was t- you were telling me that all along. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I wasn't thinking it was a conspiracy theory, yeah. but now, you know, Jack goes before Kong. He basically lied. He lied. He lied. He lied, he lied I hope under he go, oath. I hope they get him for perjury. He lied under oath. As he we're, lied as, under oath. As Correct. we're taping. Well, the thing is, and what his lawyers will get him out of and why no one ever goes oh, to jail. Because they didn't on call it sh- shadow yes, banding. Yes, exactly. They didn't, it was a linguistic trick. Okay. They never called it shadow banding. What did they call it? They called it, uh, what did oh, they call it, guys? Um, it was D-something. It was de-escalation. Some, what was it? Yeah, uh, visual filtering oh, yeah, or okay. contextual so, filtering, yeah. something like that. Right. So they were just playing with language constantly. Right. Right. To, to well, that's the other thing with. everybody does is bamboozle everybody through language. The woke people are particularly, the woke crowd are particularly good at that. They just bamboozle people. So, okay, so I have a feeling we probably have less disagreement on some of the policies than, than may, we may even think. But on the race one, yeah. specifically, in that moment where he t- talked about how, you know, when you get pulled over, black and brown people, my children never had to be told right. that they had to keep their hands on the wheel and blah, blah, blah. It's like... I was actually told that. Yeah, that's what you I said on my show this too? morning. My dad yeah. said the first time I went out driving with my dad, we went to H.B. Uh, Thompson Middle School parking yeah, yeah, lot yeah. to go drive out there it's because they were, you know, it was a big area I could drive. And before I even started doing anything, he said, he said, David, if you ever get pulled over, you keep your hands on. He called uh, you David. Yeah, he called me David. Okay. He still calls me David. You keep your hands on the wheel. And the fact that Biden went out of his way to racialize that. Totally. So, and also black and brown, the implication being that somehow this yeah, is something you Indian people. And it's just. So I don't know if you, you have you had Wilford Riley on your show? No, oh, I've, I've met him a few times. I'll, I'll have him on. The hate crimes, hoax so, yeah. and stuff. I mean, fantastic. What, what a shame that we have to live in a society where I have to say to you, well, he's a black academician. Like, that yeah, shouldn't no, have literally anything to do with it. But he has some, some great data. Should I tell data. you about my black friend, Larry Elder? Right. Feel better right. See? Right. Stupid. So we don't. That's the other. That's the other kind of point of commonality. What should we do is we can we should be able to agree that there's a truth of the matter independent of whatever immutable characteristic you possess, right? So if we can't agree to that, then there's a just, we're in, I mean, it really is incommensurable at that point, but um, the fact that we consistently racialize this is a problem, but here's, here's my pushback on that. Because so many, and I do that thing for my YouTube channel where I go out and I ask random people questions uh, and I put them on a line from, you know, neutral to strongly agree and strongly disagree and, they walk to the side. What, what do you call that, by the way? Spectrum Street Epistemology. Yeah, street, we're going to link to the channel below. So street Epistemology yeah. from my first book. I was in yeah. Eastern Europe. Is it better to be ruled? It's better to be ruled by the USA than Russia or the USA than China. All kinds of questions: homosexuality, abortion, trans, everything. Yeah. But consistently, one of the things that I find in that is when I talk to black people, not African Americans, but black people, they are they're pissed, and they're they're deeply. They're not even deeply concerned. They're they're worried. They're fed up, and I think we need to have an honest conversation. Like, is that imaginary? Like, is that are those concerns they have 
how rooted in reality are they? And I think well, well which concerns are you talking well, about? And that's, when, and, and well, that's when you make the distinction. You said totally. not not African American. So you're talking about when you're in Europe. Well, or? well, well, people, for example, who just have dark skin. Okay. So in Europe, for example, if they're not they're not African Americans because they're not Americans. Right. Right. So, but that's one thing I consistently find is that they are mad. They're frustrated. They don't know what to do. And I think we need to have like some kind of an honest town hall debate that isn't captured by lunatics for what is the nature of, like, what are these, I don't like to use the word grievances because it's so fraught, but what are the perceived problems and what can we do to help people? And So what are you hearing as a perceived, what, what would be, be that someone's angry about? I mean, I can go through the list of watching MSNBC and I know what Joy Reid's screaming about, but yeah, give me what so like an average the list person. is that they don't have the same opportunities that uh, white people have. And I think if you look at the demographics of school systems and the funding of school systems, they're right. But I don't think it's on racial lines. I think it's uh, on okay, economic so. lines. And then the the mode, if you will, the distribution happens to be that poor, more poor people are black than white as a percentage of the population. But I, I think it starts... We'd also have to talk about why that is, because more black people were educated and in two-parent homes until the welfare state in the early 70s. And Thomas, Thomas Sowell's Sowell, been writing about this forever. Correct. So, so it has a lot to do with the Democrat policies, not just an imagine, not just that the system is inherently right. racist. And so how do we get beyond, how do we speak bluntly about facts and evidence without having the Democrats go berserk or the Republicans go berserk. How do we just say, listen, these, this is the data. We need to make the best available, the best policies based upon the best available evidence without people losing their freaking minds. Like, I don't know, and I, and- Well, I do have a theory on that. No, go ahead. I mean, it's what we're doing here in Florida. Which is- We, we have a highly competent government yeah. that is run by someone who is clearly articulating what their beliefs are. And when they try to bring crazy trans gender identity into schools. Nope, we're not going to do that. When they try to connect woke ideology to African-American studies, nope, right. we're not going to do that. We're not going to let uh, a place like Disney, which Zero is Zero pushing... tolerance for madness. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that that actually is the only answer. I, I don't know that at, at a societal level, a, a countrywide level, I don't know that that yeah, you can, my, so you can he, scale that or so at least from the top. I guess my concern is, and I haven't been following that closely, my concern is I would want to make sure that no speech would be quelched in that process. So if you want to have someone spouting some idiocy like critical race theory, that's fine. And I know I have significant disagreements with people on this. You know, I, I think I initially said, you know, you wouldn't have people, if you, someone wants to you know, scream about phrenology or about the earth being 5,000 years old, but these are dangerous, divisive, toxic, and racist beliefs. There's also a difference between talking about them and teaching them. Yeah, you can and, talk about the and, Nazis, you wouldn't want to teach Nazi ideology. Correct, and testing people in terms of the right ideas, the students that answered back, right. that, that accords with the ideological precepts. So I'm, I'm concerned about that, I have a, I have, so you gave me your solution, I'm gonna give you my solution. Yeah. So my solution is burn the whole thing down. My solution is that we need to build new things. We need to build new institutions. So this, I'm gonna burn a tremendous number of bridges when I say this. I'm just gonna tell you because I'm just gonna speak bluntly. You're in a burning mood. I'm, I'm in a burning, I've been in a burn mood for quite a while now, yeah. but I, <laughs> um, and I don't mean burn them down physically, yeah. of course. I yes. mean, let them fall into further delegitimizing themselves yes. because they're, they're not legitimate. Basically, you're saying give them a push. They're on the way yeah. anyway. So a, every push, single so. attempt at saving them or fighting for free speech, or this guy got canceled because he showed the picture of the Prophet Muhammad, which by the way is on Wikipedia, that now certain countries don't want on. And if you look at the Islamic Wikipedia, still if you go to the museums in Turkey, there are uh, drawings of the Muslim Prophet Muhammad. But bracketing that for a side, uh, uh, as an aside, any attempt to fix or solve the problem is only slowing it down. The problem cannot be solved. We have tremendous DEI bureaucracies. We have people who have jobs for life. Yeah. We have college of education that are the worst of the worst. We have to build new things. We have University of Austin, Ralston College, Peterson yep. is building a new platform. That's the solution to this problem. Let, let them just fall into what, let them get what they deserve. Well, A, I agree with that. I had Stephen Blackwood in that very chair talking right. about Ralston and he's obviously doing that with Jordan. What's happening here in Florida now with uh, Chris Rufo is going to sit on the board of, I believe it's New School on the West Coast, that's, and that's they're going to 
try to fix what's going on over, because even in Florida, our institutions were, were captured by this stuff too. How important it's, is it, do you yeah. think, I mean, as someone that you care deeply about academia, I mean, how important is it that kids even go to college at this point? I think the, well, let me just back up a second. Yeah. Wokeism is a universal solvent. It will destroy everything yeah. and anything it touches. And so I'm incredibly sympathetic to having a zero, like the Hungarians have a zero policy. There's like, we're letting none of this in, like zero. Yeah. So the best answer to your question is what I told my kids. You know my kids. Uh, I told my daughter who wants to go to college, don't do it, be an electrician. Oh, that's the other thing I tweeted last night. We need to be talking more about vocational that, education. Absolutely. Vital. What did your daughter say to that? She entertained it, but she wants to go to college. And I, I, I can't say that I'm disappointed. Like, I will do, you know, I want her to live her life and pursue it. My parents paid for my education, although at the time it wasn't an, an ideology right. mill. Yeah. But I, I think uh, my advice to, to young kids would be, and it's not to go to a conservative university like Liberty. The, the solution to this stuff, to ideological capture, is not to create institutions that have the opposite ideology. The creation, the, the solution is to create new institutions that are truth-based, that have genuine intellectual diversity. So uh, my, my suggestion would be to send your kids to vocational, vocational school. Yeah, it's interesting on, on the Liberty front. I'm only mentioning this because I was invited there. I spoke at their Sunday convocation. Yeah. 14,000 kids, huge, yeah. huge, absolute, yeah. 14,000. Uh, they know I'm married to a man. They know, as I still describe myself, but begrudgingly pro-choice. There's a couple other things that I certainly am not a traditional conservative on. Right. Standing ovation from these kids. Spent the entire day walking around the school, taking you, selfies I, with I, kids. Yeah, I want to I want to give you a hug for that, but we're on foul. Yeah. I think Lindsay was the only person who is an atheist who's ever been invited to speak before. So what, what does that tell you then about the conservative, even in this case, and you as a guy that wrote a book called A Manual for Creating Atheists, right. you spend an awful lot of time around religious people now. Awful, you spend awful an awful lot of time around They're conservatives They're my primary now. allies right now. So your primary allies seem to be, from what I can tell, Christian conservatives. Correct. And sort of more, I don't know, people from maybe a more nationalist political camp, certainly than than you consider yourself from, or something like that. Yeah, so what or do you people do like with that? Mark Andreessen, who just basically think that the system is corrupt, like I do, and right. I need to build. You know, that's the new culture war, by the way: legacy institutions versus building new things, old universe like Substack versus New York Times, Wall Street Journal, et cetera. It, locals, perfect. Some 100%. people have been building that's, new things. That's, yeah. Well, you're a builder. Yeah. I lost the thread of the conversation. What, what, so, well, this odd alliance that you're now in, as someone that was, right. that you were literally, your mission at first, at least at one time, right. was to create atheists. I, I also do want uh, to talk about how the atheist movement has seemingly yeah. collapsed, but let's pause on that for a second. So but that your allies are now the people that you maybe used to want to convert. Yeah, so I think... Well, I never converted anyone. I just gave them the tools to convert themselves, just to be clear. So I think that this culture war 2.0 is very different from 1.0. I published a piece in this in the American Mind years ago. But, excuse me, it's we're unified in objective truth that you can figure out what it is, that you can find it. We're unified on the rules of engagement. So the rules of engagement is if, you, if someone gives a talk and you don't like the talk, you don't blow a bullhorn at the talk. Like there, there are rational civil ways to adjudicate disputes, you know, legal mechanisms framework. If you don't like the statue here in Miami, I don't know, some in Portland, they destroyed a, a deer statue. Uh, great. You, you go through democratic means and have, I mean, I couldn't care less what statues are there, but you don't take mm -hmm. the law into your own hands to quote yeah. Judge Judy. Uh, you, you, so, so there's an agreement that there are mechanisms that we can go to to figure out how to solve civil issues, civil disputes. So that's so, the other thing. Right. So are you shocked, though, even at this point, even though we've been, if people go back and watch our videos from six years ago, yeah. uh, they'll find us talking about these same things, me from a more lefty perspective as well. But right. the point is, are you shocked that there's virtually no liberals, obviously not none, and right. Bill Maher is doing it, and I know you know two or three others, yeah. but what you're talking about are no, they're liberal principles not defended by liberals. That's correct. That's correct. And I think that what conservative and liberal is has shifted, but I'm going to suggest a new access to you. The new access is, and um, Andrew, my friend Andrew, our friend Andrew Doyle wrote, wrote yeah. about that book, in his book, The New Puritans. The new, the access of the way to think about these problems isn't liberal, conservative, right, left. It's authoritarian, non-authoritarian. Yeah. And the most important thing is cognitive liberty. We have to enable people to, like in London, they're arresting people 
for praying. I mean, I think anybody should be able to talk to themselves anywhere they want. If I want to talk to myself, it'd be a little odd if I started talking to myself right now. Right now would be the, the idea. Yeah. <laughs> the, the idea that you would arrest somebody for that. You have a group of people, the woke people, the dominant moral orthodoxy, who wants to tell you exactly what to think, and if you don't think it, you're a problem. Right? That we we need some kind of a struggle session. We need to somehow correct this. We need to intervene. We need to have, you know, government in, in, sponsorships, programs, interventions. I suggest the access in the culture war is best thought of as authoritarians versus not. Right. So basically, there's there's authoritarians or libertarians. Not meaning you're a libertarian card carrying member of the libertarian party, but you you, you either want control or you don't want control. Something. Yeah, and you want to like let that. I want to let people pursue whatever lives they want to lead. I, I think the so, thing that so, but keeps me- So you me, acknowledge that that, that that is far more rich on the right or the conservative side of the aisle now, right? I will acknowledge that the left has a terrible problem that is, not, that is uh, unthinkable among traditional leftists, that it's been prestatized by wokeism. It's been prestatized by an invasive ideology. I wrote about that in my first book. Um, that is not inherent in the left. And, you know, it's guilt by association. It's not even guilt that I'm here. It'd be like somebody else won't talk to me because, oh, you've been on Tucker. I've been on Tucker Carlson twice. Oh, you won't. We're on Tucker. Oh, you were on yeah. Rubin's show. You were, well, so what? Like, so, yeah, there's no question that there's a tremendous problem with that. So it seems to me that the inmates are running the asylum on one side. Correct. And there is another side now that is doing basically what you're asking that perhaps you have some political disagreements with. And as, as I kind of went through, I think those things will just kind of become less and less over time. I think that's just the natural entropy of it. But what would you say is a problem? What do you see on the conservative side? Now, I'll just fully, look, I'm okay. married, I'm gay. Yeah. So there are obviously traditional religious conservatives that are not thrilled with that, for sure. To be sure. And yet I have found most of them to be the most loving, pleasant, interesting, decent, welcoming would, people I, on the planet. I probably even add supportive to that. Yeah, yeah. So, so what would be something that you're seeing as a red flag on that side that you're like, oh, this is where you guys are just absolutely getting it wrong. This is where you're, where I cannot vote for the same people I'll that you I'll, vote for I'll or something you, like that. I'll tell you a few things. Uh, we'll bracket the gay marriage thing. Um, and we'll bracket the Ukraine thing because that's another thing I don't, but, that's another can of worms yeah. I don't want to get into. Uh, in terms of domestic policy, I would say it's one of the, the reasons I still consider myself well, I consider myself a classical liberal, is I believe every citizen, every person born in this country has certain entitlements. I believe that they're entitled to a public education of the first rate, a la John Rawls. I believe that they're uh, up to age 18. Um, they're entitled to uh, at least two square meals a day. Um, I don't think people should be discriminated against educationally in terms of their zip code or where they're from or the color of their skin or their religious beliefs. Um, but, hold on, I just have to pause you for a second because I'm not sure what conservative believes in anything. Other, well, you know, you can, you, they may not want to fund you, certain you, things through the government. Okay, but, well, you but, get. You, okay, then I'll, I'll tell you the other yeah. substantive disagreements. Let me just say real quickly, let me, and then I'll put a, a pin in that. I also believe that that includes health care for people up to 18, possibly 21 as a compromise. I don't think anybody should be sick or dying because in this country, if they're a citizen, uh, if their parents can't afford adequate health care for them. Insulin, which Biden uh, 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 discussed. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one of the things that separates me. And you see, you So know, you, it seems to me that just, to, I want to just clearly get it. So it yeah. seems to me you still believe that the state has some role in education and in health care. And, and you feel that the conservative side or the Republicans just simply don't believe that. On the, on the school choice one that yeah, you said but, there, where that you want them to choose to go to okay. school, that's clearly a Republican okay, so, position, so, so, not so, a Democrat position. Okay, I'm yeah. talking about funding of yeah. K-12 education, but yeah. there's a guy on my board, National Progress Alliance, a nonprofit, who ran for, who's a conservative, who, uh, atheist conservative, you know, I think is a uh, suicide of the West, Jonah Goldberg, first mm -hmm. line of the book is, you know, there is no God, he's an arch conservative. Mm -hmm. um, he had a really interesting proposal. He wanted to turn every school in the city of Portland into a school, a charter school of choice. So they all had their missions and they could choose. Great. Each, yeah, each, so that's what I'm talking about. We yeah. can have a compromise on this stuff, sure. right? So each parent but would be- But what I'm saying is but, you're taking what so I think is- So each parent would okay. be given an amount of money, right? Yeah. And then they could go to whatever school they wanted to. Of course, 
many on the left went berserk and they said, well, how, how can you, what if you want to go to a school on the other side of town? Okay, look, I mean, the system isn't, like you can only do what you can do. Right, to but, make but things. I think you're making my argument. Are you not, because my, my question was, what do you think are, the, what are sort of, the red line issues that the that defunding you don't of agree public with. schools, the the non I don't know if you want to well, call it socialized health care, but right, okay, so health okay, so health you want the government definitely involved in healthcare. That, that, and 18, that seems to, to be pretty different. Up, and up I'm to eighteen. Yeah, okay. All right. But better. I can go for twenty one. Right. Like, the, the school one, I think you're making more of the conservative argument on school choice. Well, I wasn't you, I was bracketing the school choice as a possible compromise yeah. because the federal government still has to or the state government. So we need to also do away with the zip code idea. Mm-hmm. Like that the, sc- the zip code you're in determines the school you Absolutely, like, school we, choice, fund students. That's a poison. Fund students, not That's a poison, yeah. right? Because that guarantees, you know, Bush had no child left behind. That guarantees the kids get, who are poor particularly, and I don't think it's a racial thing, get trapped in failing schools. So we need to, we need to be more thoughtfully and work with people across the aisle who hold different opinions. But those ideas, you know, in the far right, the extreme right, I don't even know what that means anymore, but you have people who want the defunding, the libertarian side of the public school system. So that's two two differences. Other differences, abortion, for example, uh, but, you know, that's a thorny issue. I'm not sure how, especially with the new Supreme Court decisions and right. state choices and so. So you're obviously pro-choice. Were you, I am. How did you feel about the Roe v. Wade decision, just kicking it back to the states where it was I originally? Wasn't happy. I wasn't yeah. happy about it. Um, you know, one of the things I do in that those videos where I go around, I ask people, I do a lot about abortion, and I'll say, so they'll start on the neutral line, and I'll say abortion should be allowed legal up to the first trimester and they'll go from strongly agree to strongly disagree and then i'll say abortion should be legal in the second trimester i reset them at the neutral line and then i'll say abortion should be legal in the third trimester and then i'll say uh, i did this at dartmouth abortion should be legal up to the last day because you would see you want to see what it takes to get people to move and a shocking number of people will not move up to the last day yeah so I think that there are, comp- I think abortion in the first trimester, not constitutionally protected, but federally protected, would be a compromise. And then- Wait, sorry, what do you mean by that? Not constitutionally protected, but well, federally protected? Yeah, federally protected so that there would be a legal right for women to have an abortion in the first trimester. Right, so I, to me, what Florida has done, yeah. and I can always bring everything back to Florida because I really think that we're doing it so well here, we have 15-week ban. DeSantis signed that, and right. the legislature 15, passed it right. before the Roe v. Wade decision came Correct. down. And what's fascinating about that was, here we have this state that is now super red. It is the leading Republican Correct. state in the union, and it has a 15 weeks. That's three and a half months. Right. Having two kids now, I know an awful lot about that developmental right. stage, uh, heartbeats and all that kind of thing. Nobody was going crazy over it here. And this would prove my point on the, on the conservative side. The conservatives yeah. here, are actually just taking the liberal position of 25 years ago. Meaning every sane liberal of, tw- of 25 years ago, a Bill Clinton 1996 liberal, had some moderate position on abortion. There's gonna be a cutoff. It's the Democrats that went bananas with eight month abortions, where Florida right now, again, the reddest of the red states, right. has the 25 year ago liberal position, and that is now the yeah, conservative and I think position. Which by the way would are, piss off the most conservative no, conservatives. I, I think you see that in so many things but you know, one, one thing you said that I'm thinking of, you mentioned heartbeat. Yeah. You know that in Hungary, it's a law that you, before you get an abortion, you have to listen to the fetus's heartbeat. Well, isn't that interesting? Which according to Stacey Abrams, it's not an actual heartbeat. It's an echo of some right. sort of. Right. Right, but, but what does that tell you, even, even that right there? So the, the argument you're making from, a, from your liberal perspective is the policy of the most conservative place in America. It tells me with that and with censorship, you know, the NWA or whatever you want to say, that, you know, Tipper Gore is against the music, that that those policy positions have had a large scale shift. Now, you've been saying it for for a long time, to be a conservative means to defend uh, liberal values. And and I, I think that there's a profound truth in that, in that we have far more, not we, but the general, we have far more in common than, than people think. So, okay, so if I think most people watching this are probably going, all right, 
I tend to agree with a little more of Dave's politics, but Pete's making sense. They want to live in a country with someone like you the same way they want to live in a country yeah. with someone like me. But what we're still dancing around, I suppose, uh, is yeah. what do you do? With, well, first off, how do we quantify how many woke people there are and what level of power they still have? Okay, because okay, that stuff okay. is still in the speeches. Okay, hold, it's hold in on. Biden's speech Hold, hold on, hold yeah. on. Before we get yeah. to that, I would argue that virtually everybody wants to live in your America and my America, mm -hmm. because your America and my America are the same. They're identical in, I would assume, at least one way. Yeah. You want people to have liberty. I want people to have yeah. liberty. I want people to make their own choices and be responsible for those choices. I believe in truth. You believe in truth. We might disagree about Biden slurring or whatever it is, but yeah. we want to live in a society that's basically has the rule of law. Right. You know, I, I, I got something to eat uh, before I was coming over here and I was walking out and some guy tried to chop me for no reason. Never in Miami? Me. Yeah, you know, just right down the block at, yeah. the, at that supermarket down there. Some guy just tried to chop me. But, yeah. So um, I think that your America and my America, the Americas that we're living in, have far more in common than people think. Yes. And I think that these policy decisions, those things are, those things can be worked out. Right. We can well, figure that stuff well, out. Well, it seems to me that the one there are sort of slight disagreement here is you still think that there's a little more utility for the state, or at least at the federal level, I than I do. And I accept that. I, I, I would do. also say that if it, if it worked... Particularly with the welfare of minors. Fair enough. So Peter Thiel once said something to me that, that really rung true to me. He said, if, he said, I wouldn't be a libertarian if any of it worked. Right. And I think that that maybe is the position I'm coming from more. So I like government when government is effective and competent and efficient. That's what we have here in Florida. When you have this other endless sucking machine that is taking money from everyone and resources from everyone and spending $10 billion to study no, asexual I, monkeys no, and their relationships no, to blind frogs. No, there's then, no question. And I don't yeah. you know, one, one third of the taxes collected in, two, in 2020 or 2021, yeah, 2020, uh, went to pay the interest on the deficit. That's insane. That's insane. Everybody's screaming about, you know, uh, sustainability. That's the most unsustainable thing. And wait until the dollar doesn't become the global currency reserve. Right. Wait you till know, China says, hey, we'd like you to pay off our debts. Yeah, it's a good thing we the, have nukes. The, uh, so, okay, so, yeah. so understanding that, I, I think you're right about that. And by the way, uh, when I did Bill Maher's podcast, and we disagreed on a whole bunch of stuff, actually more than you and I are disagreeing out here, because he's really has this wild stuff with Trump still and whatever. Right. Um, what he said at the end was, he said, if you and I are not within the acceptable boundaries of what a society can tolerate as differences of opinion, we're totally screwed. I mean, I think that's the 100%. right approach on that. But what do you do for the whatever amount of people the, the woke thing has infected. It yeah. continues to infect people. Problem. And it, we're in a race, it seems to me. We're red-pilling people left and right. I see this happening all the time with my own audience. And when I go out and to, go to the supermarket, yeah. people saying to me, Dave, I, I didn't believe any of this stuff two weeks ago. Then totally. I saw your show. I just so, had that the same experience Right, and you Austria. do it. You're literally doing it for a living. This so, okay, is all so, I do. So, but yeah. we're out. But the race is what I'm talking about. Yeah. So we're, we're red-pilling. Okay, fine. We're getting people to see reality. The woke thing's still infecting all of those things. As you said, it, it, it yeah, gets in that system and destroys. It's so, not, so how do yeah. we quantify where, are we winning, okay. are we losing okay. our? Okay, so we just, okay. So this, this is a huge, so we gotta slow down. We yeah, gotta really okay, slow I'm giving you that, I'm giving you So let's talk about what the woke control. They have complete control of the university systems. They have the DEI, bureaucracy, et cetera. They have control of most legacy institutions. The two things that almost nobody talks about because almost nobody knows that they control and the damage that they do is they control colleges of education and Wikipedia. Okay, so let's break that down if yeah. I may. So I can't teach with all my publications, years, et cetera, doctorate, et cetera. I can't walk in a classroom and teach. You have to get a teaching certificate. Uh, teaching certificates in this country, I'm going to say this, and this is people going to be like, no way, that can't possibly be true. It's solely predicated. Actually, Peterson uh, uh, speak, spoke about this. Uh, I think he's working on some of Yeah, He's working on this. He's working on this. Yeah. It's predicated upon a book from a Brazilian educator, Paulo Freire, The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. The idea is that you teach to liberate people from, he didn't say perceived, but perceived oppression, yeah. as opposed to teaching for anything else like the truth. Yeah. We've educated an entire generation of teachers, pre-service uh, teacher education programs, people are gonna get their future teachers, go into the classroom and teach, uh, to demean truth and to uphold certain non-falsifiable ideological ideas like uh, lived experience. So yeah. lived experience trumps objective truth, et cetera, et cetera. So that's an enormous problem. 
And the reason that's a problem is even if you could take out all wokeism, like you literally extirpated it from all K through 12 schools, it would just repopulate it's, because yeah. the teachers would go back in. Yeah. And that's the other reason why we need to build new things like uh, the University of Austin is because we need teacher training programs for people who have not been indoctrinated into the tenets of woke ideology. Okay, so the second thing that nobody talks about is that Wikipedia is, is woke, uh, the, the editors of Wikipedia. Oh yeah, it's wild. I have people, yeah. My, yeah, and so we're gonna do do something on that, that that breaks that down and explains the racket and the scam that it is, uh, you know, my Wikipedia page is consistently vandalized. Yeah, it's hijacked yeah, by a few people. Yours is as well, I've yeah, looked. Yeah. Okay, so we got those two things. Um, it, is, it is almost impossible to underestimate the degree that woke infiltration has played in society in our institutions. Look, having spent a few days with Elon at Twitter, he knows that there were bad actors. Yeah, he called it a activists. giant crime scene. Yeah. And it was a giant, I just spoke to Michael Schellenberg, who's yeah. a good friend of mine. Yeah. We just, you know, it, it was a giant crime scene. And the idea is that woke people, they, you know, they get indoctrinated into the school system. They go out from, from uh, the, well, it starts in K through 12, because again, their teachers get teaching certificates that are indoctrinated. They go through college. They then, because they have the college degree, go into positions of authority in the society. And then slowly but surely, the terminology comes in. Uh, safe spaces, microaggressions, trigger warnings. Uh, inclusion is a huge one that nobody talks about anymore. Mm -hmm. Very few people talk about. They have infiltrated virtually every industry, economy, uh, of, uh, of um, every, they've infiltrated the military, they've infiltrated the Biden, the government, uh, they've infiltrated the Southern Baptist, they've infiltrated the Catholic Church. So the question is, what do we do about it? And I, I have a whole set of prescriptions that we could so, talk okay, about. So there's the build new things version of it. There's there's the argue with people to show them the light sort of thing. No, but not, but, not argue with them, but ask them, uh, assist, uh, talk, communicate yeah, with them, listen communicate and with communicate them. with them. Sorry. Yeah. So, but I'm still curious about the, this thing. Do you think we can outrun it? Do you think that this parasite that has, yeah. in, that has overtaken so many hosts as I always describe it, you know, the yeah. alien in the ship killing everybody and, and the doctor likes it, and the yeah. original alien, because he's like, it's merciless. It's doing exactly right. what it wants. You got to give it credit. He, he feels a, a camaraderie with it because it is so focused right. on what, and it's accomplishing what it wants to accomplish. Do you think we can outrun it? I mean, if we, so you do, even, even if we have an, an entire generation of young people coming 100%. behind us that are going to be more energetic than us and blah, blah, yeah, blah. It's not sustainable. Yeah. It's in, and I'll tell you why it's not sustainable. It has no, by design, it has no apologetic. It has no defense built into it. Woke people don't know the other side of the argument by design because it's platforming, it's Nazism, they won't read it, they won't look at it. Uh, it's... Even, even you know, not even uh, things like gender studies, but th there is no debate. <clears throat> there is no conversation. And when you take debate and conversation out of it, you just go ever further down into into a uh, into a rabbit hole. But just recently, the last few days in the Chronicle of Higher Ed, they've had pieces coming out. Even the New York Times, which is the wokest of all, them all, I think they hired McWhorter to kind of save their image, et cetera. But uh, you see now people starting to question, people starting to challenge, people speaking openly about it. And unfortunately, they're doing it in the most superficial manifestation, which is cancel culture, right? right I mean, right. so what do we do? What, what do we do about the fact that we have ideological capture of our main institutions? Well, let's talk about what the problem with that is first. The problem is that those institutions don't have any legitimacy. You don't, Habermas called this the legitimation crisis. There's a crisis of legit. A lot of people, I've been screaming about this for years, nobody listens, but the reason for that is they, they don't have legitimacy because they're not legitimate, so people yeah. don't trust them. So we, that's why, to bring it back to what I said at the beginning of the show, we need something we can rely on. We need some gold standard, something that universally aligns us politically, socially, morally, and that should be the peer review process. If something gets stamped as peer review, we can say the best minds have tried to falsify it, experts in the fields have tried to look at it, and I also want to say one more thing. Yeah, but you accept that the inherent problem is that the woke will never accept that because they will say it is an old Right, system. that's why we need to yeah. destroy it. We need yeah. to build new things. Yeah. That's also why we need ideological diversity. Yeah. You know, people will say, well, why should I trust the science on, the science, they'll put in quotation marks, on global climate change, anthropogenic warming, if the university is staffed with 99% ultra-leftist. Well, they're right. Yeah. 
That's, a, that's absolutely right. I mean, that's why when the Supreme Court is balanced, you know, 5-4, conservative liberals, maybe a far righter, a far lefter, uh, that's why people are more likely to trust those decisions. So ideological diversity confers a kind of legitimation on a system. It legitimizes the system in a way that uh, simply saying it's legitimate or have good branding, or now the New York Times is bad branding. They have, well, it was all the news that's fit to print. Yeah, now it's right. all the propaganda that's right. fit Now it's to been ideologically captured. ACLU, SPLC, things we used to trust for hate groups, for example, we can't trust those. And I will tell you, to repeat it again, one of the biggest problems that nobody's talking about is Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, it is a problem. I wonder where is it being then used that it matters? So like I gave up years ago trying to contact them and try to correct There's things. no point to it. It's just pointless. It's just yeah. pointless. But where is it being used that it matters? Like, does it matter that much? Like you think because people are actually trying to find out about people oh, and, it's, and trust it's, it. It's and, so, so yeah. I'm even hesitant to say this because now this people who are doing this to me are going to double down on it. But yeah. you know that I, so I, I don't even know how many books I've written the forward to. I've written the forward to a lot of books. Uh, I just wrote the forward to Rajiv Maholtra's Snakes in the Ganga. I've written the forward to John Loftus's book. I've written the forward to Lindsay's book. Tons of forwards. But I wrote the forward to Dan Errol's book, who's now a woke maniac. Yeah. Uh, I, wrote the for- <laughs> yes. I wrote the forward to Stefan Molyneux's book, yeah. uh, Against the Gods. It was about agnosticism. And of all the forwards I wrote, it's in there. That's the one. And they- it's like, not only that, he wrote the forward to white supremacist Stefan Molyneux, as mm-hmm. if you know, I'm somehow in long-standing collaborative relationship, as if I'm in some kind of cahoots with mm-hmm. a white supremacist to talk about whites, you know, the superior race. But but those things are incredibly damaged because they're bundled with the software when you get them. They're bundled with browsers there. Mm-hmm. And so when people want to learn about something quickly, they go to Wikipedia. There are 50 editors. This is a whole other show. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, the way that those decisions get made uh, the guy who edits my page is openly Antifa. It's interesting because I think you could probably, and this is what, what uh, Elon was saying about a crime scene, yeah. you can probably make the same argument for almost every big tech company that there is. There was a while where, where there, they were, I was being doxxed on Reddit and, and totally. horrible things were happening on there. I contacted someone extremely high up at Reddit, like VP level, and they basically were like, you have to submit a support ticket. Right. And I was like, well, I'm being doxxed. I could have someone show right. up at my house and kill me. These are people who are obsessively hating on me, blah, blah, blah. Correct. And then, well, you have to, sub, sub, and then I do the ticket, nothing comes of it. And it's like, you guys, it's as if the system is designed to let the worst ideas flourish. Yeah, Not as if, it's, maybe as if designed, I'm being too generous. It's designed generous. to let a small group of radical activists who encourage violence, who really, there's no polite way to say it. You know, I, I, they're just dyspeptic malcontents. And they, I don't know what these people do. They, they must have no lives, no jobs. And all they do is hate, like I see the stuff yeah. on Reddit, like about, they, they yeah. go crazy on you, yeah. they go crazy on me, they're going crazy Doesn't on everybody. Matter. So that's the thing that I, I also- I think they've helped the trajectory, honestly. And they've, oh, really? they've well, I think they've also helped me like uh, first off, at this point, I just don't care. But it never yeah. stopped me, and if anything, it was it was fueling my my okay. desire for success. And I didn't okay. realize it when it used to bother me. Now it's just like, all right, keep going. Like, yeah. Okay. So that's. Know, two I th- also think it's th- funny, sort yeah, of like you well, waking up like Dave Rubin's the biggest problem. Yeah. yeah okay. So here, so here's my my. So you, I think you're in another level than I am. Do you remember when we were walking when we got ice cream? Do we need? To, is we are we over? No, time? we're good. We're good. Do you remember when we got ice cream and and when which, that was my look? We're going to continue because he's doing okay this time. Uh, okay, this we're always fifty-fifty with yeah, you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, it, yes, we were getting know, ice cream. The, I remember the, the, the Twitter eggs went with my son, and you said yeah. if a guy came up to you with a Twitter egg right now yeah. and started screaming at you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you remember that? And, yeah. and I really thought about it. like that was a like really you know why should you wait? Just to be clear, we were walking down the street yeah. going to get ice cream with your son, and we were talking about this like endless hatred that people get online. And I was saying how if someone across the street just started screaming, "Pete Pagosian is a f and blah blah blah," right. you would Nazi, just keep walking. Is a Nazi, is is a, yeah. You wouldn't walk up to them and engage them and spend time with them and all them, of those right. things, right? You would just keep walking. But for some reason, there was this need for people to do it online with the anonymity yeah. as a right. cloak and. So my fear, so two things, my fear has always been that uh, 
uh, I've got something wrong. Mm-hmm. And the way that I can figure out if I've got something wrong is to listen to dissenting voices, mm-hmm. is to listen to say... Which they're going to use that against you. Right. And that's what I said on your show last time. I think I, I missed a word. But the most important thing is you have to figure out whose voice doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like if you... Like when you... Like this is a great example. Like this brings it back to what we talked about. Yeah. Are you drunk tweeting right now? Yeah. Like... So you, when you tell me something like, okay, Dave Rubin said that, you know, if Dawkins contacts me, like, I'd be, okay, now I've got to stop and think about this. But if it's a random person, you don't, there's no point to even looking at it, right? Yeah. But I do think that there is, that, that there is something, if I could give advice to people, if I could give advice, I don't know where I looked, advice, if I could right give there, advice right to you, you have to figure out whose voice doesn't matter. And if you have, if you're being mobbed on social media or people are freaking out at you, like, so what? Like it, it just this too shall pass. Like it's yeah. just it's just people who have way too much time oh on their hands. You know the other thing I've learned going around the world asking people questions like political questions or controversial questions is when you leave the United States, people are not looking for a reason to be offended. Mm-hmm. In the United States, particularly on college campuses, they are hungry to be offended. Mm-hmm. They are craving offense. They want to show what a good person they are, what a yeah. decent person, what a virtuous person they are by how outraged they are that someone's on a different line or has a difference of opinion from them. I mean, you seem to have done a far better job of getting over. Like, I, you, you did it more quickly. I'm slowly at that point, um, but I have not fully arrived. You mean getting over the arrived. Yeah. yeah of, of just, well, I also think when you, when, if you don't give them what they want, which at some point when I just was like, I'm never responding to these people, I'm never right. paying attention, I'm not giving it a moment of my public or private time, at some point they just start running out of fuel because what they also want is the reaction. Right. There is nothing that makes you know, one of these nihilistic kids happier. 100%. Than, and that's the other yeah. thing. They already hate you. Yeah. They, short of you groveling, which would make them hate you more, right. there's literally nothing you can say. And they the irony, already hate you. The irony, and I absolutely know this is true of you, is if someone came to me, if someone sent me a thoughtful email saying, and by the way, I get something like this every now and again, you know, Dave, actually you were talking about taxes and right. this and that, and I disagree with you on this, here's why, but I will address it, I like 100%. it. We do a post-game show on my show now where I'm, I'm trying to get people to correct me. Right. Right. Genuinely, if I screwed something up, I was, but that's different than the, the nihilistic so that's destruction. That's called integrity, yeah. right? That's yeah. called integrity. Speaking of integrity, Pete, this is the last time you can do the show. This is it? I'm no longer a friend of the show. I'm thrown off. I'm now an an enemy of the show. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? A man of great integrity. Uh, do you I saw anything? Nancy Pelosi after Biden's speech. I did. I she said he's a wonder. She does this weird I, thing with her hands now too. He's a wonderful man, an aspirational yeah. man, an I incredible saw man, Christie, a ugly man. I saw Chris Christie too, and again, yeah. he didn't wasn't talking about the dementia thing or whatever. Uh, anything else I'd like to say? Um, I, I got one like, more for you. Go ahead. I got go ahead. one here. I'm going to give you a yeah, great yeah. out. Here. Anything you want? No, I had something, but go ahead. As a, you can go with that one all too, right. but I, all right, I have one more question yeah, for yeah. you and then I'll let you give your closing statement. My question for you is this, yeah. being here in Florida, yeah. taking this entire conversation that we've had, yeah. the beautiful weather, the freedom, a system that's working, right. flourishing, getting rid of all the things that you're frustrated with, right. could a good liberal like you vote for a guy like Ron DeSantis? Who's he running against? He's running against Joe Biden, or he's running against Kamala Harris. Or oh, you mean for president, Gavin Newsom? Yeah, for, for, for yeah. okay. You, you named t- two of those three people. I, I have very serious problems with. Um, could it I, seems to me he yeah. is the guy addressing more of the issues that that you're talking about than anyone else. Yeah. So and he, defending so, people's ability to live freely. So here's what da, da, I would da, da, da. do. So I would. Rather than just capriciously answer it, this this, this serious—you're looking at me like, come on, man. No, I'm telling you, I would look at what his positions are. The answer to your question is yes, but before I gave that yes, I would look at what his positions were, and I would balance those out against the person against you. You know, he was running against, and then, but yeah, I see no reason why I wouldn't vote for a Republican if they had more evidence-based positions. For sure, is that fair? You couched it like a liberal, but I accept that. Okay, I uh, take, I ta- I'll take that as a <laughs> And now I plus. give you open floor to end this properly, the way you wanted to end it. Uh, I want to come back to something we said at the beginning. If you have a disagreement with somebody, 
then you just text them and tell them you have a disagreement with them. Like you, it's it's completely fine that you and I would have a disagreement about abortion or DeSantis or even things closer to our own heart, you know. And you know, if you told me, listen, you know, you're, uh, I, I would have a problem with it. But I would, I would have a problem with it within the context of our conversation. If you said, listen, I think the fact that you've adopted a Chinese uh, girl is an interracial kidnapping. Okay, so we that okay, we we would have a conversation. That about That might be a bridge too far. Yeah. Well, no, it would hurt me. I would, yeah. I'd feel hurt. But I'd in also, fact, that is you. Yes, that, I'd also, yeah, I'd also, life, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd also want to know why you thought that, right? And also, but I think. Letting friends be wrong is one of the most important lessons that we can have. And and I also think it makes your life more interesting and you have more spirited disagreements with the people. You know, Aristotle talks about that in the ethics. He said, the highest form of friendship is between two virtuous people. I thought about that for decades mm-hmm. since I've read mm-hmm. that. Like somebody, you, you know, you can come to me and I can come to you if... If I think you're off base, I will absolutely tell you're off base. And I think we've had those conversations before. You've told that to me. Those are the kind of friendships you should strive to have as opposed to everybody agreeing with everyone until you disagree about one small thing and then everyone's a Nazi. You want to go get drunk and fight some random people? I want to know about the latter, but maybe the former. Thanks for tuning into The Rubin Report. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.